Well, thank you so much. It is a huge joy and privilege to be with you again. And like you, we've been through lockdown. And uh, guess where the last place was when I was traveling overseas? Two years ago, here. <laughs> so this is the first time Wendy and I have been traveling again for two years. And the last thing I did was come to a breakfast here with you, uh, with you guys. And then we flew home. And uh, we were embracing and handshaking and arrived at Heathrow and everybody's kind of standing back. And I thought, what, what's going on here? And the motorways were kind of empty. And the next day, lockdown. And uh, you thought, that can't really happen. No, it happened. And uh, we uh, didn't travel. I had a very, 2020 sounded so good, didn't it? 2020. It just, it kind of sounded like, wow, clear vision for this year, 2020. And I had a very full program and it all went down. No, 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 all had to be cancelled. And uh, yeah, I wrote a book. Uh, I found things to do, but it's so strange, isn't it? Not being able to gather and such a huge blessing uh, to be here. And uh, I love the way you worship. I love your focus on Jesus. And uh, sometimes I I, I, I travel around a bit, and uh, you don't always see people so excited about Jesus. So it's a huge joy uh, to be here with us. Songs I didn't know, but how quickly you learn them, because they're about Jesus. And uh, my heart's been stirred as uh, I've come with you to worship this holy, holy, holy one. Uh, you know, this staggering. So Isaiah saw him. He said, I saw him holy, holy, holy. It's just like overwhelmed. And the New Testament says he saw Jesus and that holy, holy one that just buckled uh, uh, Isaiah's knees. He just fell. I'm, I'm ruined. I'm finished. That's the one who hung upon a cross, that holy, holy, holy one, the awesome son of God who took away our guilt. No wonder we go crazy and worship and celebrate him. Now, tonight we've, we've talked about encounter, right? Encounter. And I want to speak to you about one of the biggest encounters uh, in the New Testament, and that's the one that we read about promised in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, people have said, is the key to understanding the book of Acts. Because there, Jesus promised the disciples, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Uh, and you look at these guys, and if you've read the uh, Gospels, they are very unimpressive. They keep on misunderstanding, they get it wrong, they let Jesus down, they say the wrong things, uh, and then when it comes to the cross, they all ran away. Now, Simon Peter gets the high profile, but it says they all fled. I mean, these guys, within a short space of time, have this testimony. These men who are turning the world upside down have come here also. Guys are churning the world upside down. They've just got invincible power. And that they're the same guys who were so weak and feeble. So this encounter is the most wonderful thing we can read about. So in Acts chapter 1, I'm just going to read a few verses from verse 4. Gathering them together, Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father has promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I want to say, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many minutes from now. Yeah. All right. God wants to baptize some people 
in the Holy Spirit tonight, all right? Now, it's as you receive the word, as I'll come to you in a minute, it says, when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know times and epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, we're going to look at that theme tonight. We're going to look at the theme of receiving power. I just want to read one more passage to you, at least one more verse to you. It says in Galatians and chapter 3, he said this, because what happened in Galatia was this. Paul preached the gospel. Many people were saved, healed, filled with the Holy Spirit. A great church got started. And then Paul moved on. And when he moved on, the Judaizers moved in behind him. Now, who were the Judaizers? Well, they're probably Christians, but very much with a Jewish bent, a Jewish emphasis. And they came in and said, hey, it's great. You Gentiles have received our Messiah. And, and actually, our Bibles told us that the Gentiles would come in. So this is great. Hey, welcome, welcome. Um, but, uh, you know, we've known him for centuries. And um, if you really want to make sure everything's okay, um, you should probably keep the feast days. And uh, actually, you must keep the Sabbath. And actually, you ought to get circumcised. And what they're saying is, look, to make sure you're all right, we're going to bring to you all these Old Testament rules to make sure you're accepted. And Paul's saying, you're crazy. In fact, it's Paul's angriest letter. He says, you fools, who has bewitched you? And then he said, listen, did you not receive the Spirit? And notice the verse I want to read to you. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? This only I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Right? How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Hearing with faith. And miracles are being done within them because they were hearing with faith. So I want to encourage you tonight as we look at many scriptures to hear with faith. So that you might, some of you have seen, I'd long to be baptized in the Spirit. I'd love an encounter. Well, that can happen for you tonight. But you want to hear with faith. I, once when I was uh, in the church, I was pastoring, and uh, we were hiring a big hall at the time, and I had the joy of preaching. And at the end, uh, a student girl came forward, and she received, uh, she received uh, Christ, and it was good to talk to her. I'll tell you a bit more about her later. But her, another couple, a husband and wife in the church said to me, would you tell us about receiving the Spirit? Would you come? And I said, yeah, I'll come around to your home. And I went to their home one evening to talk to them about receiving the Spirit. And halfway through the evening, I'd just gone through some scriptures telling them about it. And, and the husband said to the wife, he said, darling, would you like to make some coffee? Uh, you know, halfway through the evening, make some coffee. And I kind of had half explained I didn't lay hands on, we didn't move, I just, just half explained. And she went out to make some coffee. And we're just waiting, and then suddenly she came back in again. She said, it's wonderful, it's wonderful. And she wasn't talking about the coffee. She had, 
received in the kitchen because she'd been hearing with faith. Right? She'd been hearing with faith. I had a letter from a guy in the States whom I never met, and he said, I was listening to your recording on receiving the Spirit. He said, I was on a Friday, or Saturday night preparing. I was getting very anxious about the next day. My wife had gone to sleep, and I'm, I'm still praying, I'm praying. And I saw what you said, and, I, and he said, I want the Holy Spirit. He said, I said to God, Terry talks about the laying on of hands. He said, there were no hands here. And he said, so, Lord, I just ask you, lay hands on me digitally. <laughs> and then this email, I mean, I don't know the guy. Uh, the email, he said, I'm lying, I went to bed, I'm lying there, and he said, holy cow, I'm speaking in tongues. <laughs> God comes as we listen with faith. So let me encourage you to listen with faith, and we will pray for people at the end. We're going to invite you. If you say, well, I've never, ever received the Holy Spirit, and tonight I'd love to. Yeah, we'd love to pray for you, but be full of faith, expectation based on the promises that God has made. Okay, so Jesus said here, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, for these Jewish guys, that's not a kind of revolutionary idea because they had their Bibles. And the Bible is full of stories of people like, say, Gideon. Gideon, he's a scared guy. He's hiding in a cave. Uh, the enemy's powerful and he seems weak and feeble. And God comes to him this scared guy, and it says the Spirit clothed Gideon, and he became a great warrior. He was transformed when the Spirit came upon him. You find that Samuel poured oil on David, and it says from that time on, the Spirit came powerfully upon David. So you get these characters that are transformed when the Spirit comes upon them. And then you get guys like Elisha, who's got to take over from Elijah, and, and, and Elijah says, you know, you're going to be my replacement. And Elisha says, well, if I'm going to be your replacement, I need the same power that was on you. And he won't let him go. You remember the story? And Elijah's always trying to shake him off. He said, no, 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 I've got to have this, I've got to have this. And then Elijah says to him, if you see me go, if you see me received into heaven, you'll know that you're hurt. And, and he sees him go, he's taken up to heaven. And so Elisha picks up this cloak of Elijah, and by faith, he walks up to the river that they'd just come through with Elijah. And he says, right, here we go then. Here we go. I saw him go. That's what he said. And he takes his cloak and says, where is, the spirit of the, where is the spirit of Elijah? Hits the river, and it opens. Wow, yes. He is clothed with the same power that was on Elijah. And these apostles, if they're going to carry on doing what Jesus did before he ascended into heaven. They need the same power. You'll find that Moses laid hands on Joshua, that he might have the Holy Spirit. It said, God said to Moses, lay hands on Joshua, that he might have the Spirit. And at one time, Moses is a bit exhausted, leading two million people through the wilderness. And he says, God, help, help. And God says, okay, choose out 70 guys leaders. And the 70 guys come out and they come to the tent of meeting. And God says this, I'll take some of the spirit that's on you and put it on the 70. You can read about it in the Old Testament. So they come to that place of meeting. God takes some of the spirit that's on Moses, puts it on the 70, and they all prophesied. They're equipped by the spirit. And so you get these Old Testament illustrations. Yeah, the coming upon of the spirit. 
They're coming even on 70 people. The ones that are going to go in place of Moses, the, the coming upon of the Spirit. And so you, we can see these illustrations in the Old Testament. So when Jesus said to them, hey, you'll receive power when the Spirit comes upon you, it's like, okay, well, we've read about that. Now, in the Old Testament, it tended to be particular people. It was like a prophet, like Elisha, or a, a judge like Gideon. In fact, all the, all the judges, the only thing that marked them out was the Spirit of God came on them. They were not the sons of some other king or judge. If the Spirit came on Samson, the Spirit came on this one. And, and, and so these Old Testament characters, it tended to be prophets, maybe priests, kings, judges. But then you get in Isaiah, the day will come when God will pour out his Spirit from on high. And then Joel says, in the last days, I'll pour my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. There's going to come this widespread outpouring, the ultimate purpose of God, the outpouring of the Spirit. That's what God's been looking for all along. Jesus spoke a lot about it towards the end of his ministry when he washed their feet in John 13, then 14, 15, 16 of John's gospel. He's just talking about when the Spirit comes, when the Spirit comes, when the Spirit comes. It's the coming of the Spirit that's going to transform these disciples. So here's the story, you shall receive power. Now, for myself as a young Christian, I'm thinking, is, there some, is that for me as well? Can I have that? And I, and I begin to look into that. I'd been very backslidden for a long time, and then I really tried to live for God, and then I found that how I felt so weak, especially as a witness. I, I was so often missed opportunities to witness, and I was kind of ashamed. And I was beginning to make some progress, and I, I'm beginning to lead a little Bible study, but when it comes to witnessing, I think, Lord, I need some more from you. And, uh, you know, that came to a, a, a big day in my life. One day uh, on a Sunday, uh, I was in a Baptist church, lovely pastor, terrific Bible teacher, big church, something like 800 people. Um, you know, it's a flourishing church with a great preacher. And, uh, and I was beginning to make some progress. And I went to the morning meeting, took a little Bible study in the afternoon, and then I go to the evening meeting as well. And I've got some time to kill. So I'm walking along the seafront. I live on a coastal town and uh, Brighton. And uh, on a, a sunny a summer, we get some sunny days in England, okay? <laughs> on a sunny day, on a Sunday in the summer, you'll get, I mean, thousands and thousands of people walking. And I thought, I'll go for a walk. I walk along the promenade. And uh, in the center of Brighton, it splits into two promenades. There's an upper one and a lower one. And I'm walking along there, and as I do, I can see a crowd, and the crowd at the top looking over. I thought, what's the crowd? What's going on? And down in the lower promenade, actually, some very frail-voiced old ladies, and they're singing and trying to preach, and they're holding up banners like repent and stuff. And everybody's laughing at them and throwing apple cores at them and cigarette packets at them, and it's terrible. And I thought, oh, God, this is awful. Why is it so awful? And uh, I felt God said to me, actually, I didn't call frail elderly ladies. I called young guys. How about you? Oh, no, never. <laughs> never. I could never in my life do that. 
not on, not, never, never. And, and then just in front of me, there are two guys talking to one another. And one, one says to the other, look at those old fools. Why don't they keep their religion in their church? And they're right there. And, you know, it's like, I might not be able to preach, but you know, they're there. And once again, I just, oh, no, no. And I, I, was, I was undone. I was just, that's it. I went home. I got on my knees. I said, God, I need power. And I, I, I had read, you know, I'd read some people, some great Bible teachers like John Stott, for instance, who I greatly esteem, and he'd say, no, no, there's no more. Once you've been saved, uh, that's it. You know, you, you, there's nothing more. Don't look for more. And then there's uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's a great preacher, saying, no, go for more. And I thought, if they can't work it out, there's no hope for me. <laughs> I, I kind of read this book, and then I read that book, and I thought, oh, I don't know. What about? And I gave up until that afternoon. I thought, I've got to get an answer. And I used to work in London, so uh, I commute to London every day. And there was a guy I sometimes had lunch with, and he was so, he was a brilliant Christian. And if ever uh, I, I lunched with him, and he was there before me, and I was a bit late, he was always witnessing to people. And I, I thought, I'd love your freedom. And so I phoned him, I said, can I see you? Yeah, yeah, lunchtime today, yes, okay. So I said, what is it with you? because I'm desperate. He said, oh, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, tell me about it. So he said, well, come to our church next Sunday. We'll lay hands on you. I thought, oh, my word, this is the answer. I will go to his church the next Sunday. Because I, I couldn't work out before. Are these guys who say there is no more, are they right? Or are these guys who say, no, there's more. I couldn't, I couldn't work it out. So tonight, I want to answer that question. And, and I'm going to do it by just showing you what it says in the book of Acts, right? Because it's interesting. If you look at the Gospels, the Gospels are all pointing forward. And so Jesus keeps on saying, this is going to happen. The Spirit will come. Get ready, the Spirit's coming. The Spirit, it's all pointing forward. The epistles are all pointing backward. So Paul, John, Peter, they write their letters and it's, yeah, you, this happened, this happened, it's already happened. You will never read in one of the epistles, you ought to get baptized. It never says you ought to get baptized in water. Why? Well, it's already happened. It's, it's to Christians, so obviously they've already been baptized. So none, none of the epistles say, hey, you need to be... And so none of the epistles speak in the same way. And so, as Dr. Lloyd-Jones says, so you have to look at the book of Acts. Because the gospel's looking forward, and the epistle's looking back, the book of Acts tells you what actually happened. So we're going to look quickly at the book of Acts. We're just going to look at a few passages. Um, and so that, what people tend to look at is uh, the day of Pentecost, which we're not going to spend a lot of time on, because it's kind of unique in that these guys had been with Jesus before the cross. They've been with Jesus before the resurrection, before the outpouring of the Spirit. It's hard to build a case on them because they walked through all the big acts of redemption. It's hard. But what happens? What happened to people who got saved after? That's where we can find out. If we can look at what happened to people who got saved afterwards, we'll see a pattern. All right. So I'm going to turn to Acts and chapter 8. We won't spend a long time. We're just going to look at them. Acts chapter 8, 
Now, let me say this. The Bible says the wind blows where it will. The Spirit blows where He will. And so, God can change His own rules, if you like. The Holy Spirit is wind, fire, and water, very hard to contain and direct. But you will see certain principles that will help us understand, all right? So, in Acts chapter 8, we see Philip, the evangelist, goes down to Samaria, and it says in verse 12, when they believed Philip, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. So these are people being saved, all right? That's quite plain. They receive the good news, they're baptized. These are Christians. Verse 14, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So these people were saved, they were baptized, but their testimony would be this, I was saved when Philip preached, I responded, I was baptized, I'm a Christian. A few days later, Peter and John, the news got to Jerusalem, the guys made the journey, so a few days later, they received the laying on of hands and the Spirit came upon them. All right, that's a clear testimony, that's what happened to them, that is a clear word. There's no reference here to speaking in tongues particularly, although we do see a, a guy called Simon wanting to pay money for whatever it was he saw happening. He saw something happen, but the Spirit came upon them. Okay, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, so we looked at Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9. Famous, most famous conversion uh, in the New Testament, where we read that Paul, that Pharisee, was about to kill Christians, and that the God who commanded light to shine in the darkness, shone into his heart, giving him the night of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's his testimony later. But that's what happened to him. He suddenly, you know, he meets with the risen Christ. He's called, he's saved, the famous conversion on the Damascus Road. We know about that. Then what is often overlooked is a guy called Ananias, who is not a famous apostle, not like Peter and John. He's just an obedient believer. And he's told by, by Jesus to go down and pray for him. And so it says in verse 17, Ananias entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, he said, brother, he's a Christian brother already, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Ananias laid hands on Paul. He's converted three days earlier. If we had time to read the whole passage, you'll see a reference to three days. Three days earlier, he's saved. Three days later, hands are laid on him, and he received the Holy Spirit. That's Paul's testimony. Again, there's no reference to speaking in tongues, although he does say in the Corinthian letter, I speak in tongues more than all of you Corinthians. So that was something he was fully acquainted with. Then we'll look at Acts 19, okay? We'll just look at these three cases. Acts 19, 
These are people who got saved after all these events, and this is what happened to them. Acts chapter 19, I find this one very interesting. It says, Paul arrived at Apollos, uh, with Apollos, sorry, while, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus. He found some disciples. Now, when you read that, you think he found some Christians. But actually, the word disciple is used in the Pharisees had their disciples. John the Baptist had his disciples. And so actually, what we're going to find is this. Actually, they're not Christians. That's, at first, you think they were. He said to them, verse 2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no, we've never even heard there's a Holy Spirit. He said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, John's baptism. In other words, they are disciples of John the Baptist. They had received the message of John. Well, what was John's message? Repent, get ready, prepare the way of the Lord, bring down the mountains, bring up the valleys. It was a message of repentance and get ready. And, and John had enormous success. It said all Judea went out to hear him. Thousands were baptized by him in the Jordan. It was an amazing following. He had disciples. These are disciples of John the Baptist. What becomes clear here. And then Paul says in verse 4, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who's coming after him. That is Jesus. In other words, this is very abbreviated. He tells them all about Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, Paul leads these people who had responded to John's message to Christ. They become Christians. He baptizes them. Then, interesting, the next verse. Then, when Paul laid his hands on them, it's like they're still dripping with baptismal water. When he laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. So here, what happened in Samaria over a few days, what happened to Paul over three days, is condensed into one day. But it's the same pattern. He is led, they are led to Christ. They understand it. They'd already heard John the Baptist's message. Now they hear about Jesus. They respond. He baptizes them. Then he lays hands on them. And the Holy Spirit falls upon them, and they speak in tongues and prophesy. They are initiated into life in the Spirit immediately. We need to understand that. So when people say, well, uh, you've received everything at conversion, there is no more, which I often hear, and really good evangelical brothers and sisters would say that. Yeah, you know, with these guys, often if people say that to you, I've said to them, well, does that mean you are full of the Spirit then? And the answer would tend to be, well, no, no, we're moving gradually on to that. You know, you've essentially received everything, but, you know, you're gradually a bit more filled with the Spirit when things, you know, when you get more mature and so on. But with these guys, Paul said, have you received the Spirit? They said, no, what's that? When he's led them to Christ, baptized them, lays hands on them, and they're speaking in tongues and prophesying, if he said, now, have you received the Spirit now? I think they'd say, yeah. You see, the, the, there it is, the clear. The, now, there's a few questions we need to ask. Why did they have to wait on the day of Pentecost? 
Because you'll find on the day of Pentecost, Jesus said, wait. But after the day of Pentecost, no one was ever told to wait. Did you notice that? No one was ever told to wait. Once they come to Christ, they can receive the Spirit. You don't find that when uh, uh, Peter and John came down uh, to Samaria and these new Christians led to Christ uh, by, by Philip, they didn't say, well, listen, beloved, you need to find an upper room somewhere. That's what we did. Go and find a room somewhere and pray and wait. It doesn't say it. Just lay hands on them. Ananias didn't say to Paul, hey, you're going to be an apostle. You better definitely find an upper room somewhere. Ananias just laid hands on him and the Spirit came upon him. These guys, they're dripping with baptismal water. Talk about weight. They received the Spirit. No one was ever told. That's why I wanted to look at the ones after the day of Pentecost. No one was ever told after the day of Pentecost to wait. And see, some people have been in pastoral work for many, many years, beloved, and I know what it's like. I think, oh, am I really worthy? Am I, have I, am I mature enough? And sometimes, sometimes you get this sort of internal conflict. Like maybe, maybe I'm not ready. Maybe God doesn't think I'm ready. You're ready. <laughs> you see, it's not a reward for good behavior. It's not like some general saying, go and fight, men. And if you do really well, next time you can all have guns. <laughs> Jesus said, don't even start until you have power. You see, it's not like, perhaps I'm not worthy. Perhaps I'm not worthy. I remember when I was um, pastoring a church, and at the end, I, was, I prayed for a girl, a student girl, and she got saved. Uh, and that was lovely, you know, hallelujah, beautiful. And then the, the, the guy whose hall we were hiring starts jangling his keys and said, out of it, got to get out, get out, okay. And then she said to me, is there more than this? I said, well, why do you ask? And she said, there's power in this meeting. And I said, actually, yes, there is more. Can I know more? I said, yes, of course. So come to our home next Saturday. So the next Saturday, she comes to our home. And her name's Celia. And she brought with her her roommate called Suraji. And she came to uh, my home. And Suraji said, Celia is so changed since last week. And she said she's become a Christian. I'd love to become a Christian. So I said, sure, lovely. So we spent a little time, and I led her to the truth, and she received Christ. So it was beautiful. And then Celia said, hey, don't, don't forget what I'm here for. You know. So I said, okay, okay. So I started going through the scriptures, and she's uh, saved, what, six days since last Sunday? Uh, and I said, yeah, of course. And we go through the scriptures, and I'm just about to pray. And Suraji says, what about me? Well, she's been saved 20 minutes. These are not special Christians. Right, hear me. They're not special Christians. And I laid hands on both of them. One's been saved six days. One's been saved 20 minutes. The Holy Spirit came upon them. They started singing in tongues. They went on their way very happy. The promise is to you. Here, the promise is to you. If anyone's thirsty, come and drink. He said, but I'm not, no, 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 you don't have to be special. It's for people who are not special. It's for people like Simon Peter, who said, I don't know him, I'm not with him. He cursed and swore and said, I'm not with him. Holy Spirit's for people like that. 
Not for special people. People who feel, I need help. It's for us. It's free. We get what Jesus earned. We get the rewards. I did a lovely Bible study on the word spoil. Oh, I got so blessed. The spoil in the Old Testament. You know, they win the victory. They don't only win the victory, they get the spoils. And, and the spoils go with the victory. Because uh, you, you know, armies didn't go so much get wages. If they won a battle, you get what they've got. Gold and silver and food and drink and clothing. It's all there. And then you'll find with David one time, he goes away from Ziklag, and when he, while he's away, the whole thing is ransacked. Everything's gone. And then he comes to God. He encourages himself in the Lord. He said, what should we do? What should we do? He said, go, get it. So they go after them, and it says they won everything they'd lost back, but they also won all the spoil that this army was taking. It took them three days to scatter the spoil and give it to everybody. Three days to gather it. It all comes with the victory. Jesus won a great victory. And he says, I'll share the spoils. I'll share. <laughs> it's wonderful. I'll share the spoils. It's all free. It's all free. That's why Paul wrote to the Galatians. I mentioned to you at the beginning, you fools. Why do you think you have to do more? You know, I have to do this and this and this to be accepted. He said, no, no, no. Jesus Christ has been placarded before you as crucified. You can't add to that. You've received the Spirit free. It's all free. So, beloved, when we invite you in a moment, come and be prayed for. It's all free. It's not for special people. It's for all. It's for, it's for believers. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You say, well, I've never understood before. Well, tonight you can understand. And one more, quick, one more verse I want to take you to. It's in John's Gospel, and it's chapter 7. And, and we, were, we were saying, well, why, why did the early apostles get told, wait, and then nobody else was told to wait? You see, when I, when I first was seeking, I'm going back to the 1960s, all right? The charismatic movement had not started. I wasn't trying to join the charismatic movement. There was no movement. I just wanted to be a witness. I longed to be a witness. And the Pentecostals helped me. Well, the Pentecostals often used to have what they called tarrying meetings. And I met a guy after I'd received and people were receiving. He said, how come you're receiving? I'm going to tell you from this verse now. He said, I've been going to tarrying meetings for 13 years. He said, I'm a Pentecostal. I said, well, but he'd been going to tarrying meetings for 13 years. But after the day of Pentecost, no one tarried. So I showed him in the scripture. He said, oh, wow, I've been waiting all this time. He said, would you pray for me? I said, of course I will. Laid hands on him. He received straight away. Because he, he thought you had to wait. But see what it says in John chapter 7 and verse 37. It says, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because 
Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, we need to really unpack that quickly. Jesus stood on the last day of the feast. It was the day when they remembered how God had faithfully provided water for them on their wilderness journey. And they celebrated that every year, this feast of remembering. And on the last day of the feast, Jesus went into a public place and it, the priests used to pour out water on that day uh, to commemorate how God did this in the wilderness. And Jesus pushed through the crowd and shouted out loud, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. You think, wow, here I come, here I come. Yes, please. What would he have said? Uh, not yet. Why, well, I'm not ready. Nothing to do with you. The Spirit is not yet given. Why not? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. That's what it says. And so the promise was there, but not until he's glorified. Not yet. And so John 7 gives us the key, because on the day of Pentecost, when these people are full of the Holy Spirit, and these 120 burst out of the upper room, speaking in tongues and enjoying the presence of God, and Peter preaches and said, this Jesus, whom you crucified, God has raised up, whereof we're witnesses. He now exalted at the right hand of God, glorified, has poured out this. And from that day on, no one was ever told to wait because he is now glorified. The Spirit is now available. You just come and drink. And so that verse is now appropriate. If anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. That's all. Come to me and drink. Now, I mentioned earlier about going to this church in London. So let me... I hope be helpful to you. I, I, I was when I when he said come to our church and we'll pray for you. I thought okay, we'll do that. I fasted a bit that week. I thought we must get this thing. And then when I went, he said you're lucky. He said we've got a big guy from America here this week. Oh great! You know he'll lay hands on you. You know he's the big guy. So I thought oh great, wonderful. So I go to this meeting. It's probably a dozen people waiting to be prayed for, and the guy comes in. And he starts laying hands on people. And he comes to me, lays his hands on my head. And guess what I felt? Hands on my head. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then he goes on to the next one. I thought, what's that then? I thought, I, no, see, I'm telling you this story because I think in that moment, I drifted from the scripture, which says, come to me and drink. And I thought, this guy's going to do it for me. Here he comes. Here comes the big guy. Here he comes. Ah, nothing. Because I'm, I'm waiting for a guy to do it to me. Now, maybe you've been there. Maybe you went to be prayed for. This guy will do it for me. doesn't say it. Nothing, nothing like that in the Bible. It says, come to me and drink. Now, very shortly, we'll invite you if you'd like to be prayed for. Because it is biblical to lay hands on. Absolutely biblical. We'd love to do that tonight. But you're coming, as it were, through that person. You're coming to Jesus to drink. Yeah. Come to me and drink. Come to me and receive. Come, see, we're not, we're not offering to pray for you. We're saying, would you like to come and receive? Hear the difference. Would you like to come and receive? Come to me and drink. Come and drink. And, and I, I, this guy went out of the room. I thought, well, that's, what's that all about then? I've come to London, and, and he's gone. 
And, and so my friends, I mean, I'm about 21, and my two friends are about 21, Guy and his fiancée. And they said, well, hallelujah, you know, let's pray. And I thought, he's gone. Yeah, but they brought me back to the Bible. They were so helpful. They were so patient and kind to me. And they said, come on, let's see. Look, it says here, it says here, it says here, it says here. We'll pray for you now. And, and they redirected me back to what Jesus promised. And then they prayed for me. And I said, okay, okay. And they said, well, just begin to thank God. And I thought, oh, what for? No, thank him, praise him. Uh, so I'm all hesitant. And then they said, well, just praise him in tongues. You think, oh, how on earth do you do that? You know? And you know, I'm a bit of a jazz fan, so I like scat singing. I'm not going to make it up. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't come to London to make up. So, so I'm having this argument. I was the worst ever person, counselor. And, and I, I argued with them. They said, no, 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 just do it. Just praise him. So in the end, I start speaking in tongues. And like a hundred voices in my head are saying, you're making all that up. Stop that now. And so I stopped. And they said, what? And I said, well, I'm making it up. And they said, no, 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 come on. And they, I mean, they were so kind to me. Just press through. Just, you know, go, go on, go on, go on. So, so I go, okay, okay. So I start again. And, and I'm just going on. I mean, it just happens. It's just put it and, and, and then my friend's fiance says to me, you're very clever making all this up. <laughs> and we laughed, like you did. We laughed. And all the tension kind of went. And I just relaxed, carried on, and felt this whoa, go through my spirit. Abba, Father. Now, I'd been a Christian for six years. I knew I was a Christian, but I'd never felt this intimacy before. I'd never felt, whoa, wonderful. And actually, they were then going to an evening meeting, and uh, uh, I... I went to the back of what was quite a big church building, and the congregation was sitting nearly all at the front. I sat in the back row. I put a hand over my mouth so as not to disturb anyone, and I spoke in tongues felt right through that meeting for about an hour and a half. Was, and uh, it was wonderful. Now, you just have to go with it. Let me encourage you. I just want to be practical. I don't want to make tongues the whole thing, because it isn't. We come and receive the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is often there. It's often there. So I'm just trying to be helpful. I'm just trying to be helpful because I know I needed help. And over the uh, years, I'm talking about 62, so that's a long time ago. I've prayed probably for thousands of people over the years. I try to be helpful. Just to say about speaking in tongues is something you do. God doesn't do it. See, so if you're prayed for... Don't wait for God to speak in tongues because he doesn't do it. God doesn't speak in tongues. We do it. We speak in tongues. It says, they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We do it. And, and when you do it, it's your vocal cords, your breathing, your tongue, teeth, and lips. You do it. You just do it. You say, how? I don't know. You just do it. You just go for it. It's a bit like when Jesus was walking on the storm, and Peter had learned a thing or two by then. He said, if it's you, tell me to come to you. It's a smart move. It's your responsibility now. <laughs> right? If it's you, tell me to come. So Jesus says, come. And Peter's on the boat. It's like, he said, come. He said, Whoa, was that it? No, no, that wasn't it. 
Was that it? No, he didn't sit there waiting. He just started using his normal walking apparatus. Hear me? He used his normal walking apparatus. He, and it went into another dimension. I mean, I don't know where you put your foot down, but he did it. He walked right out to Jesus, just at hand. When he looked at the waves, we know the story, but he walked right out to Jesus. He just walked into, and when you speak in tongues, you just speak, and you get into another dimension. It's a bit like when Elisha and the woman came, uh, said, I've run out of oil. So Elisha said, collect as many vessels as you can, uh, and now pour out what you've got. It's, he didn't say, collect the vessels, and then there's the one that's nearly empty. Come on, oil. Oil. Woo, go, oil. Come on, oil. Go, oil. No, no, no. Just pour it. But you say, that's silly. That means I, this little bit I've got here will be in that one. No, no, the miracle is this. Not that it started, but that it didn't stop. That's the miracle. She just poured what she'd got. That's what tongue speaking is like. You, you, when she, what she poured went over the lip of the vessel, it kept coming. It kept coming. It kept coming. That's how it works. It, kept, it keeps coming. It keeps coming. But we don't wait for it. Come on, go, go, no, no. Just, just begin to speak. And you find, how? Oh, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. Now, speaking in tongues is not the greatest of all gifts, but nor is it a pathetic little gift. Some of our evangelical brothers, it's like, you charismatics, you just pick up tongues. It's like, God dropped it. Psh, leave it alone. It's just a silly little gift. No, 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 it's a wonderful gift. I thank God for it. I speak in tongues every day. I sing in tongues. I love drawing near to God. I find it so helpful to me. So don't let people say, ah, oh, it's just a little. No, it's not everything. It's ushering us into a life in the Spirit. That's what I found. I found I'm, looking to, I'm looking to witness. I'm just dying to witness. Incidentally, when I got home, I got this, and, and after a little while, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, help me to share this. Help me to share this with the people at home. And how do I do this without making trouble in my Baptist church? And, and, and then we all, the youth went away for a weekend. We used to do it every year. And the pastor took the young people away. And on Saturday afternoon, it said, we go for a walk. Well, it's England, isn't it? So it's raining. So he said, okay, let's, uh, let's just have an open chat time. It's not in the program, but... So we're all sitting around this lounge, and we'll just talk, we'll just testify. And okay, I walked into the room unsuspecting. He turned to me, he said, Terry, something's happened to you lately. What's happened to you? I thought, oh, wow. So I kind of very nervously gave my testimony that I'd been to the Pentecostals, and they laid hands on me. <laughs> Uh, and I'm speaking in tongues like, oh, what's going to happen next? And, and there was silence. You could have heard a pin drop. And then the pastor said, you must lay hands on all these young people. Very wonderful man of God. And I had the privilege of laying hands on a number of those young people. And on Sunday afternoons, we used to go down to that fish market in Brighton and the girls played guitars and I stood on a box and preached in the open air. The thing I would have thought, I'd never do that in my life. And the youth work came alive because the spirit came amongst us. And we began to witness. But not only did we begin to witness, we began to feel, hey, when we gather to pray, 
God, God's here in a way we've never known before. And we thought, wow, we've got to do something about this. Because church in those days was, well, you were there for the preaching, really. The rest of it was a bit boring. It was the preach that was everything. And we started finding that when we started to pray together, wow, God's here. And we thought, we must, I mean, this is a short version, but after a few years, no, we've got to get churches where God's in the meeting. Not just the preaching, but the presence of God. And so we started a journey that's been very exciting ever since. But for me, I just wanted a witness. And God opened up so much more. And so speaking in tongues, yeah, it's not everything, but it opened up a whole new world and a whole new life in the Spirit. And so, beloved, we've looked at the Word here together. I've tried to make it clear. There's a clear pattern that people come to Christ, the story after story after story, Sometimes it's a few days, the message from Samaria, they get saved, they get baptized, word gets to Jerusalem, they get back from Jerusalem. Maybe it was a week, I don't know how long it was, the Spirit came upon them. Paul had been saved three days, the Spirit came upon him with Ananias. The guys at Acts 19, well, amazingly, I mean, they're hardly, hardly saved just coming out of the baptismal water, lays hands of a spirit, came on them, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. In Cornelius' house, which we didn't look at, Peter can't even finish his sermon, and the spirit fell upon them. Peter would have been very frightened to go into a, into a Gentile home. God just fell. So here we are tonight. Maybe you'll say, well, I've never been baptized with the spirit. I'd love to be filled with the spirit. Well, that can be your experience tonight because God has made wonderful promises. And the Spirit is called the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father. I had the privilege last Saturday of doing a, a student weekend. The guy was going to speak for uh, the Common Ground Church. He couldn't make it. Terry, would you do it? Would you speak about the Holy Spirit, please? Yeah, yeah, okay. So we did, and a load of students came forward. I mean, a load of them, and one after another getting filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. He's available. He's here. 